The Hair Voyage podcast is here for beauty professionals. Multi-passionate, entrepreneurial-minded, and interdisciplinary artists, we know you, we see you, and we love you. Hair Voyage is here to expand beauty education. We're sourcing information from different industries in order to support, inspire, and create community that cares for beauty professionals. We're here to propel you forward, integrating your passions and your desires into your beauty business. Hey podcast, it's Mary Alice, and today we have a very special guest, Nick Orojo. Thank you so much for being here, Nick. Oh, thanks for having me. Thrilled to be on your podcast. Well, it's so great to get to learn from you. And um, I know so many people look up to you and you've been having great conversations on so many of your platforms. Um, so you're such a leader in our industry already that um, it was it was a perfect time to hear some more from you about how we can cultivate leadership in our own paths. And that's kind of what we want to explore today. Great. Well, I think it's um, no time like the present for us to kind of lead ourselves into our future because right now obviously we're all at the um at the mercy of the leaders that technically run the the states and then obviously the country so uh, yeah. we uh we all need as much help and leadership as possible to help us navigate through the uh, the next few months if not the next few years yeah so I'd like to go back to your story and start at like the beginning so you can kind of talk to us about how you kept evolving and expanding um, your own leadership roles and what did that look like for you? What were the, what were the first, what are the like main milestones in, in the storyline? In my career? Yeah. Well, you know, when I began my career, like in 1982, you know, the hair industry, you know, was really exciting as it is today. And uh, I grew up in England and uh, I fell into the hairdressing uh, community at 16. And straight away, I just started to try and create a common sense approach. And I think that common sense approach is always the right way. So I remember, you know, going back to those early days when I was, you know, in the staff room and creating job rotors for people, people would be saying, why are you doing that? And I said, because I think if we can streamline things, we'll make things better. You know, the objective in life is to, to try and do something that improves something every day. So when I started working, I soon found out that because hairdressing is probably not so much of an academic job, more of a creative job, mm -hmm. I uh, felt like I could put some logic into what we do so that we could have a greater sense of success. And then what happened was, you know, that approach has led me right the way through my, you know, 38, 39 years of hairdressing now. And, uh, you know, it's took me from my roots in a small salon when I first began. It took me through to Vidal Sassoon where I started to always try to innovate new ideas. Things mm -hmm. like it's Sassoon's, things like um, really taking my own portfolio, my workbook to a whole nother level that would set the example with head sheets and with inspiration, uh, mm -hmm. taking photographs at a very uh, early age, 
for the stylist to be creative. Um, I, re- I kind of worked very quickly through the Sassoon organization. You know, I just always turned up with a positive attitude and uh, with an attitude of trying to be more and more successful. I used to look up and I continue to look up to people in my industry that have been successful. And my mm-hmm. mantra has always been, if they can do it, why can't I? You know, that yeah. kind of even led me to fulfill my dream to move to New York City. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of living my dream, which is pretty amazing. Although I think in today's world, I think my dream kind of turned into a little bit of a nightmare <laughs> with everything <laughs> that's happened. So hopefully one day soon we'll, uh, we'll wake up out of this nightmare and we can continue on that, that, the journey of dreaming. Yes, we will. We will. And I think, um, you know, that's, it's, it is, it's so interesting to be in this scenario. Um, and I think that's why it's, it's powerful to hear about like when we're changing our routes, um, at least for me, when, as I've been building my business, whenever I come to a crossroad where there's something new that I don't know yet or I'm learning about, um, there, all this fear comes in for a, like a time period that I have to work through. And I know that you've, you know, you have so many different um, parts of your business of like leading teams and students and product. And there's so many tangents that go into each of those things, like learning business skills and then people skills and, uh, you know, just city in general and all kinds of partnerships. So when you're in those transition times, like we are right now, and how other people's businesses will certainly be in the next couple of years, how do you move through that uncomfortable growth period? I've always been a fan and I've always pr- appreciated that change is, um, is going to happen all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've lived and worked long enough to experience some pretty difficult times. I've been through... Uh, you know, I've moved countries. So I left one country and came to another country where I really knew nobody. I came here with $1,500. I said goodbye to a life when I was 28 years of age. I said goodbye to a life and I embarked on a new dream, moving to America, which was incredible. Uh, I've lived through September the 11th. Um, You know, just before September the 11th, I went through a partnership breakup. So I formed a partnership salon brand Mm -hmm. and four years later I broke away from that partnership salon brand and kind of went back to nothing and that was a week before September the 11th I lived through that journey Um, I lived through things like the black the blackout and obviously Sandy so I've lived through some interesting things clearly this is another uh, one of those uh, interesting new developments and and I always try to look for what I can learn but mm. I also have to uh, really think I call this now the reset this is a reset for uh, for for the world it's not just for America mm. and um, we do have to there's a there's because we are classed non-essential which I I, I have um, I don't feel good about that classing at all, but because we are classed as non-essential and because of the uniqueness of this pandemic where there's a fear because of personal contact and what we've grown up with is 
an abundance of personal contact and connection. So as I'm looking and, and experiencing every day, like everybody, you know, I'm thinking, you know, how do we a strengthen our voice so that we have a stronger voice as a as a as a trade as a profession, and b what really is it going to look like when we get back into business because uh, we don't know when we're going to get back. So the think the biggest challenge that we have today is not the fact that we're not working. We understand why we're not. The biggest challenge is we don't know when we are going to be allowed to be back working. And the longer that goes on, the more and more insignificant we'll become. Uh, So for me, I'm really trying to strengthen that voice and mobilize a movement that will give us a greater sense of respect and hopefully will enable us to... uh, to open our businesses sooner because our type of business clearly is not understood by the politicians. This business is not made up of random people. This business is made up of relationships and every hairdresser, successful hairdresser that works in a salon behind the chair, not on top of the chair, behind the chair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They have an extended family because we have maybe 300 clients that are regular clients for us, and they are 300 extended families. So there's a community to the salon piece as much as there's a service to the salon piece. And I tell you, when, those, when we, our threads are broken in the way in which they've been broken, I think that the longer it goes on, it's going to be harder for us to get back to what we uh, to what our business truly is. So there is a critical point. Yeah, it's a critical point because if we lose our regular clients, then we won't have a business. And because our business is what I consider to be a relatively low profit business, you can earn a great living, but it's a low profit business. Um, if the if we're out of business for well even being out this long, it's going to be hard for a lot of people to uh, survive, especially with how we've been treated by the government. Because if you want to give me a six month sabbatical because you don't believe that I can operate safely, then you have to really take care of the salon owners so that they have a livelihood to get back to. Um, because I think right now, one thing that has been forgotten about is the livelihood of the salon owner who takes the responsibility to create a business, create jobs, predominantly for, for females. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's by, not by choice, that's just by design. So it's a very heavily, you know, it's a career that, you know, women really excel in and provides a lot for them. Um, I think it's really important that we make sure that we still have businesses to go back to. So we have to wake up the nation to what we actually truly do. And we also mustn't forget that this is a licensed trade with rules and regulations. And while some people may scoff at that, because I do see that a lot, uh, I have to tell you that I take sanitation, cleanliness and professionalism to a very high level because I have a school and because I have a salon uh, and because I have hair products, I see many sides 
to this uh, to how this industry is being affected um, mm -hmm. across America. It's very interesting. Yeah, those are there's just so much depth to the situation, and I love that you talk about the community and our that piece of of what we do because I think um, a lot of people when you were talking about it being like a low profit industry, I think a lot of people get into it knowing that and knowing that the community is also a form of, of currency that they want for their life. And so even though they know that um, you can make a good living and that, but it's also like something that I hear all the time of like the reason that's a lot of people's why um, of why they want to be a stylist is that connection piece to community and people and creating, you know, what the connection brings to other people, um, their guests individually as well. But I think that that's also a huge challenge right now is that's since that's not there and that thing, that currency of community that we're also not able to receive because we're separated from it and our clients, um, then it's like an extra struggle on top of not being able to make any income. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, I mean, it, it, you, your clients don't just come to see you for the haircut. They come to see you for the relationship, the connection. In the yeah. 80s, working at Vidal Sassoon in the UK was definitely, that was the leading salon brand across England, if not in the world, mm. in the early 80s. And they did a survey because Sassoon's wasn't new then. Sassoon's was brand new in the late 60s and in the 70s. And obviously, you know, we're now in 2020. Yeah. But they did a survey. And the survey was, um, you know, it was before computers and before all this technology that we live in today. And it was a secret shopping survey. And the secret shopping survey is where somebody goes into the salon and they do the survey and then they compile hundreds, if not thousands of surveys. And the question was, why do you go to Vidal Sassoon? And everybody thought, because Vidal Sassoon was known for great haircutting, everybody thought that because of the cut would be the first thing on the list. It actually came in number four. So people went to Vidal Sassoon, not for the haircut as their primary reason. The number one reason was for that connectivity and for that connectivity to that brand gave them a sense of, uh, I suppose, a sense of security, a, a sense of belonging, a sense of image that they really enjoyed. And, um, you know, since I've been in America, you know, I got so many American families. I've got clients and I'm sure you have too. I've been around a long time. So, I remember seeing these kids getting born and now they're going to college and now they're getting their first, you know, uh, I've got employees that were my client's children who are now come through college and now work for me in the back office. Wow. So there's an amazing sense of community. The hair salon and the barbershop is the social connection before social media. That was the place uh, you would go to, to connect. You would talk to your barber, you'd talk to your stylist, you'd find out where the good restaurants were, you'd find out where you could go out for a drink, you'd find out what the cool music was, you'd find out what the fashion was. So the, we used to be that place 
that would be a place for grooming. And, and when you get groomed, it's like being reborn. It gives you such a sense of, um, a sense of newness and freshness. You feel polished. You feel like you've, you know, you feel together. So right now what's happening is everybody's not only living in this new uncomfortable reality, but they can't even get that one thing that helps them feel special, which is the grooming. And especially when you talk about the issue of color, hair color, we've lost our trade now to the uh, box hair color that people can purchase uh, mm -hmm. in salons and online. And these actions that are happening because of this pandemic, these actions are going to have a massive detrimental effect on the validation of our industry. Uh, you can see it becoming a kitchen craft because if we don't get open, hairdressers are going to be cutting hair in the kitchen so that they can make a living. And yeah. it can be an underground movement, which I really am fighting for it to stay professional and of, high, and of, of a high standard because I don't want this profession to go underground and disappear. And of course, as any human, I am, uh, this is my livelihood. And I know so many people, it's their livelihood. I know so many salon owners that have worked so hard for their dream to create that. And we continue to develop new people, opportunities for new people in the workforce. So there's a lot to fight for. The challenge is, is we're right at the bottom of um, right at the bottom of the pile, I think, when it comes to switching some parts of the economy that have been shut. Obviously, theater, festivals, uh, concerts, venues, football stadiums, they've all been closed. Retail's been closed, but retail's lost anyway to the web and online shopping. That's already happened. This is just gonna put another nail in the coffin for that. Um, as far as restaurants go, uh, yeah, that's going to be a massive issue. But some restaurants have had the ability to stay open as a, as a, because obviously food is definitively what we need. So mm -hmm. I do believe that, you know, strong leadership is required right now and a greater sense of mobilization because we don't really have, um, we're not unionized and I don't think we need to be unionized. Yeah, but we don't really have a strong enough voice. And I think that, to be honest with you, people don't really understand, you know, yeah. how vital and viable and what we do for the community. I don't know they really understand that. And I also think they don't understand how uh, clean and how uh, we can operate in a very safe, secure way with added safety protocols to keep all of us safe. And at the end of the day, I don't know about you, but I'm just happy. I need to go to work to make money because nobody's giving me any money right now. And I've got to be working so that I can provide for my family. My landlords are putting so much pressure on me. I'm already mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars in arrears with the landlords. They're not expecting me to not pay. So even if I push it further away, they're gonna get collected on that money for rent that I have to pay that uh, unfortunately, no one's gonna be supporting me on that. So we have to fight to see whether we can get some of that support 
Um, so there's a lot that needs to be done. And yeah. on top of trying to still plan for the opening of my businesses, because mm -hmm. for example, now that salons are open in a couple of states, I sell products to salons. So now we, we can start that mechanism, which right. is good. Uh, the school, we've started distance learning. And it's very interesting because I have children, the distance learning that we, the, st the standards that we're held to as a cosmetology school is far greater than the standards um, that the education that my children are getting. So it's very interesting when I see the double standard mandated by yeah. the powers that be, uh, it gives me um, it gives me a little bit of fire to kind of fight for what we uh, what we do. Oh my gosh, I love and appreciate that so much. And I I'm just realizing how important that point about the kitchen stylist thing is. You know, there's we've worked so hard as you you've spoken about and your own journey and and the, the things that you've built. But I know just in the industry in general, so many stylists individually have built up their businesses to feel valued and respected and seen and so I know that it, it really speaks to me when you talk about we're worried about the kitchen stylist because when you're in that type of environment it's hard to additionally keep building your value and your, your um, you know respect and boundaries and professionalism that has made our our industry able to grow um, forward because you can do a haircut in the kitchen doesn't mean you should yeah and, and realistically you know we're in the relationship business and to, to build a strong clientele you need to see the client three times so you have to work hard to get once you've seen a client three times i feel like it's a it's a three-step process your first time you see a client is your first meeting they don't know how good you are uh, and they don't know how you operate or behave or communicate. So step one is that first initial meeting. The next is if the client comes back six weeks later, it's a bit like dating. I'm going on a second date. Mm -hmm. And if they turn up for the third date, that's critical because once you get on the third date, then you could have a client for life. At any point, if that relationship is fractured, you could lose that client. So right now, this stay at home, been out of business now for six weeks, definitely out for two, for two months. We're getting fractured in that relationship and we might not have a business to go back to. And that is a real concern. People yeah. are hurting for money too. Yeah. A lot of, um, even though there's a lot of, there's a slush fund, you can see I've been around long enough to know the slush fund is not going to cover everyone's debts at all the money the in the, the the money that they're gonna that they're putting out all of these different stimulus and what's going to happen with that stimulus as a business owner i know that next year i'll be paying for that stimulus in higher taxes it's guaranteed so we have a massive band-aid uh, and a precaution put on we were told to get out of work for two weeks then it extended up to six weeks and now we're like, we still don't have a plan. And I don't understand why we don't have a clear outline on the expectation. The federal government has put an expectation out there, but then in this constitution, you have uh, the, the governors 
that can decide what to do and when to do it. And they haven't, certainly in New York, they haven't laid out that plan at all. Um, so we could be sitting here for another two months. We have no idea. It's super messy and super scary. What, what, what would your dream for the professionals to be? Like, what would be the best way to support each other or to sort things out or to have our voice be stronger? Well, I'm working on a campaign called Save Our Salons. It's an SOS. My concept is, is realistically, um, for, for salon owners who have the challenge of, there's two challenges. Challenge number one is you can't work. So for hairdressers, uh, if they're not working, if they're independent, if they're not working, uh, hopefully they get unemployment and hopefully, hopefully they can get the stimulus check. And for some of the younger hairdressers, they're probably making, I know, more money than if they were hairdressing. Yeah, so they've got an incentive to not have to get back to work. But for the salon owners, every passing hour, every passing day is putting more and more pressure on our ability to succeed uh, next year and the year after. So collectively as an industry, I would like us to mobilize, to, hear, to, to have our voices heard so that we can get, go from being deemed unessential to being essential. As far as I'm concerned, I think everybody that works is essential. You go to work to make money, to provide for your livelihood. You don't live on the state. You live out of your own autonomy and independence and that's what we do and we're not looking to be fed by the state we need to be able to practice a safer uh, process because of this pandemic but we also have to look at the statistical data to see whether what was said uh, really happened and now two months later the, 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 the challenge is, thankfully and terribly, we've lost a lot of lives. Thankfully, it's nowhere near as bad as they projected. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, uh, now they're saying that it's because we did our stay at home. Great. But if we're all staying at home, we're not living. We're just hiding and we have to get back to living. So we should be able to get back to work, maybe on some different rules and regulations, but I think the common sense approach is the way to go. I don't need anybody to tell me that uh, I have to have a lot of uh, safety and precaution, an abundance of safety so that the client feels secure. That is my job to make sure that's my leadership, that's my mentorship for my employees, and that's the responsibility that I have. And that's why I believe that we should be able to be working right now. This is the sixth Saturday that I've had off. I'm 54 years of age. I've not had uh, six Saturdays off in a row. I've barely had a Saturday off in my career. So to have six, when usually it's our busiest day, it's just quite remarkable. And, uh, you know, obviously we are deaf doing our best to keep our team motivated. 
We are doing our best to keep them connected. Uh, but every passing day is the day that those threads slowly weaken. And if the economy doesn't get strong again, I mean, I'm in New York City, there's a restaurant every other door. New York City is shut down. We need to get New York City back up and running and we need to make sure that we uh, exercise this new level of attention to safety because uh, obviously I believe we can practice safely. And even today, I just went down to the store, the Home Depot store, and mm -hmm. I have to tell you, the only thing that's different is a little bit of space between people and people wearing a mask. Apart from mm -hmm. that, it's exactly the same. And mm -hmm. when you pick up something, you don't know who's touched it, you don't know who's played with it. Uh, that's just the way that it is. So I don't see the difference between uh, going to Home Depot and going to a hair salon. I really don't. Yeah. As, as you mentioned, um, leadership and sharing knowledge. And like, I think that's a great point of what, we, what will have to remain um, getting stronger as we do figure out re-entering and I know that that's something that you and your team do really well. How, what are some key, like for people that are just starting to have better professional relationships or reaching out to other salons for advice as they figure out these new um, codes or whatever it is that they're implementing next. Um, how, how, what are your best tips for mentorship? Well, I'll tell you, there's a, you know, Whenever you get under a lot of uh, adversity and stress, my thing is always to get creative. And there's a solution to every problem. You just have to find it. So mm -hmm. straight away, as soon as this happened, I said to myself, it was like, you know, you see the commercial where you see, you know, you kind of try and look all the way through someone's life. You can kind of predict what's going to happen. I'm that kind of person that I think, okay, we're going to shut down. There's a pandemic, not allowed to be close to people. We do hair, we touch each other. This is going to be problematic. I just know how it is. So rather than just shut the book and just forget about it, which is maybe what the um, government has done, you know, I went, okay, now let me think. What we need to do is we need to create a client charter that we all feel really good about and we can share it with our clients and we can share it with the with the with the politicians so they know exactly what we're doing so i've come up with a client charter it's not just mine there's lots of hairdressers that have shared in that it's something that you can put on your website it's something that you can send out to your clients so they know what to expect uh, it's a new kind of roadmap to how to have a great salon experience, a great haircut, what are the differences, what's going to happen, how's it going to be so you can prep your clients. I've also come up with a team charter, which I'm calling my safe charter. And that these, this is a code of uh, principles that we all have to agree to. Because if one person doesn't agree to that, it breaks the chain of really providing, uh, I would say that for the next two to three months, really providing um, this elevated level of, of uh, safety. So those things are available on a, on a site that I've just created, and that is, uh, the site's called My Professional Salon and Spa Association, and the, and the tag is mypssa.com. I have those charters on there. I decided that I needed to start thinking about creating an organization that we could 
uh, as hairdressers communicate and connect. So a new association, I'll be working more on that uh, once I do get back into business because my number one priority is to get back into business. But by having a clear outline of what the experience should look and feel like uh, is critical for every stylist and every salon owner. But in the same token, I did that within two weeks of me closing, which was March 16th. It's now April 20 something. What is it? 24th? The days blend 25th? <laughs> blend in. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And also, salons in this country are open and they're under these types of new guidelines where yeah. it's more of a touchless, as touchless as possible experience. By the time New York gets to open, a lot of the um, protocols that we have to put in um, to appease and create a safe feeling for the clients, I think some of those things will be slightly easing off a little because I don't believe that uh, we're going to live in this state uh, of panic for the next two years. Uh, and I do think that, I mean, I'm obviously not a doctor. And as we watch the states open up, we're going to get to see whether there is an incline in, um, yeah. there's an incline in new infections. Now, what's really interesting to me, we're doing all this stuff. We're staying at home. We're socially distanced. We're doing all this stuff. And we're still seeing... 13, 1,600 new patients a day going into the hospital in New York State. So then you say to yourself, is that a lot or is that normal? Or how normal is it? Because mm -hmm. we never talked about the flu and yet 30 to 60,000 people die in America. Obviously, statistics don't lie. If you've ever known me, I will always say the statistics don't lie. Yeah, so when someone says, I'll give you a breakdown, I'm really good at selling retail. I say, well, what's your numbers? And they say, I don't know how much I sold. I say, well, you just think you're good. <clears throat> you're not, you don't know your numbers. You just, it's just talk, yeah? It's like the guy that catches the fish. How big was the fish? Well, you can hold your hands out many different ways and we always embellish. There's a lot of embellishment in life. Right now, Statistics are telling us that there obviously has been a major outbreak, a very bad virus, and we've managed to flatten the curve, terms that I'd never heard before, flattening the curve, we flattened the curve, but now we'd have to get back into business. By the mm -hmm. time New York City gets back into business, I don't know what kind of a business I'm going to have. So my hope and my intention is um, that we... Um, that it can happen sooner rather than later. So we have to have a uni unified voice. And yeah. for all the governors out there who are making these decisions, the, the uh, personal toll that this is putting on salon owners, restaurant owners, is, uh, is brutal. It's brutal. Every, I live in, a, I have a small, it's a small town in New York, uh, it's called West, it's a, there's a, a region called Westchester, and I live in, in Chappaqua. So you may know Hillary Clinton lives in Chappaqua. Yeah, mm -hmm. So I have a house in Chappaqua. It's a quite well-to-do uh, place. Um, 
and there's lots of little communities and lots of little towns, you walk through every town, you're going to see more salons uh, on that street than you're going to see anything else. You might see two grocery stores, you might see three restaurants, but you're probably going to be able to see five to 10 salons. And I know that is everywhere because my job takes me all over the country. So yeah. we are a big piece of the fabric and, uh, and, and, you know, through maybe through good leadership and maybe through people mobilizing together, we can do that. I'm working with a gentleman now to make a professional video and to kickstart a campaign, which is called, as I said, SOS, Save Our Salons. And next week we'll be working on that. And I'm trying to create as much awareness as possible so that we can mobilize and so that we can have positive influence. I think sometimes the politicians back themselves into a corner and they make a decision. They don't want to change the decision. So I think that right now we need to say, hey, we need to maybe change those decisions. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, what's going on in the world today, there's this other magical thing with social media, which can be social shaming. It's kind mm -hmm. of like you're not allowed to ask for your job back because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're killing people. Um, so this is another mm -hmm. big piece of, uh, of difficulty that we have to overcome because most, I, I think a lot of people are maybe not as knowledgeable. They get the bite-sized news and the bite-sized news is not news as much anymore. It's heavily influenced with agenda. And when you have that news with influence with agenda, uh, you get to shape what the news story is as opposed to just report what is happening so you know you're always learning in life and mm. where i am right now i'm learning more than i've ever learned so i suppose that's a great thing and i live in hope but i also know that just living in hope is not going to do something so i have to create action and sometimes if i create the wrong action it's not because i'm intentionally trying to do that it's because i'm intentionally trying to create action so that I can protect uh, everything that I've built. And yeah. I've got two children to look after, my family, my extended family. My mother's in England. She's been told she's not allowed out of the house and for a year. Wow. You know, she has emphysema. So we all have personal fear and worry with our families. Yeah, yeah. But, but we're not irresponsible. We're highly responsible people. And, uh, and I want that respect. And I want to be able to say hairdressers have, uh, they're an important piece of the fabric of the community and we shouldn't just be forgotten like it's some kind of kitchen craft or it's something that's not important because it truly is. I love, um, I love your, how much passion you have about the subject. And I think the key things that stand out to me the most, regardless of, it's, it is hard to imagine what the future industry is going to look like, but based on the, the, the advice of your own processes and I love uh, the keys that I am taking away from this are like, passion is important, valuing ourselves, collaboration and mentorship. And then of course, nurturing our relationships and, but I love that last point that you just made where you said, um, you know, you know, not always you take action and you not always, you, you just start trying to do things and you, and maybe later on you figure out that it might have not have been the right thing, but you, it was in the order of trying to figure something out. And I think that that is a huge 
a beautiful piece of advice, especially in business, because um, often people, we can get paralyzed. And I think that was like the fear that I was talking about in my own process is it's easy to get paralyzed when you don't know what to do, but yep. it's, it's scarier to not do anything. <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of that is where we're at. So I love that you just move through it and that you encourage others to do that too, because that's, that is how we find the answers. Yeah, and it is important. And I think that, um, you know, you, you get one chance. This is your journey. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Right now we're at a big reset. The longer it goes on is the bigger the reset. So I'm trying to think about ideas. I went from, if, if, if my revenue was 100%, we're down to less than 5%. So it's very difficult to be less than 5% revenue on a business that broke even at a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So mm -hmm. where I was before, it wasn't like I was generating a lot of, I was generating a lot of money, but the costs associated with it are very high. Absolutely. Yeah? You get bad things happen to you in business all the time. Business mm -hmm. isn't fair. It's business. Life's not fair. It's life. You get one chance on your journey. When you're young, you have, uh, you, you can move a lot quicker. As you get older, it gets harder. And not only does it get harder as you get older, you get older and you have less energy. So for people that uh, have established a strong foundation, with their business and their strategy and their plan. And they're at the different place in their journey. They're not at the beginning, they're not in the middle, but they're in the later phases. We're talking about the 50s and 60 year old salon owner or hairdresser, yeah? And if that hairdresser is a salon owner, we're looking at a massive mountain to climb. Do you know how many hairdressers have reached out to me today? You know, I'm getting so many hairdressers reach out and they're asking me for advice, they're asking me for opinions. They are, um, you know, <clears throat> they're seeing if I can help. They're trying to mobilize themselves. So mm -hmm. I do believe that this camaraderie, something great will come. But I also believe that I can't sit idly on the, on the, on the sidelines. So now I can't do hair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what do I do? So this week we're going to be launching something brand new, which I'm going to see how that goes. And it's going to be a virtual hairdresser. I'm going to become a virtual hairdresser. I'm going to sell appointments uh, to have a consultation with me uh, so that I can discuss every person's concerns about their hair. And I'll be able to provide them and prescribe them products, uh, potentially hair color, not full hair colors. So I'm not into that, but maybe something to mask the root. To, to tide them over because I'm trying to keep that relationship. So in a week from now, I'm going to know whether people felt that paying to have a consultation with me was a good idea or not. But if I don't do it, then I'll never know. And yeah. when you look at what's out in the industry today, the manufacturers are selling hair color directly to the client without the colorist. Yeah, mm -hmm. the manufacturers are selling products directly to the client. Professional products don't really exist anymore. And, um, and everyone's giving away education online. Yeah, so mm -hmm. <clears throat> we have a lot of things that we have to do. 
And as, as a business owner, I'm trying to create some new sh short-term ideas. Ideas are easy. Ideas are the easiest thing in the world. The execution is the hardest thing. To get an idea is easy. To execute on an idea takes a lot. And you can only do so many ideas with execution. So when I meet people with high ideation, I call that. Mm -hmm. I've got this idea, but this idea, but this idea, why don't you do this? I'm like, unfortunately, I know what it takes to move, just to get one thing from the front door to the back office can be <laughs> quite challenging. For the mail to come in and end up on the bright person's desk uh, seven <laughs> days a week, as simple as that sounds, can be challenging. So the idea part is easy. Um, it's the execution which is difficult. And, you know, we're tr slowly trying. My intention is I'm trying to ramp up my business as I navigate forward into a post, I suppose, a post-lockdown uh, world. Yeah, it's going to be a yeah. post-lockdown world, and we're going to see what that looks and feels like. And, um, you know, I'm working every day. Leadership is, is by example. So you have to lead. Uh, do as I do, not as I say. You know, so you have to practice the same principles that you ask of your team. And uh, if you can do that, you become a good leader. Uh, that's what I think. Thank you so much. I am so excited to learn about all of the resources that you're sharing and building. And this was a wealth of inspiration and knowledge. So thank you for your passion and, and thank you for being out there doing the work. My pleasure. It's a lot of fun talking to you. You know, you can follow me on, Rojo, on my Instagram handle, Nick Arojo, and, um, you know, you can stay connected. We're going to be doing a, a live educational event uh, in the next few weeks called the Rojo Expo. Uh, and basically, my Instagram feed, which is a beautiful thing, I love the fact that I have Instagram and, and uh, you know, Facebook, and I love podcasts, I love communication, I love this digital era. You know, if you really think about it, you know, t I always thought 2020 was like living in the future. Uh, <laughs> it just sounds so futuristic. And then all of a sudden now, we've been pulled into the future with uh, a virus that's like, that's like a war, that is a hidden enemy, that mm -hmm. pops up everywhere. We don't know where it is. We don't know who's got it. We do know that it can kill. And we do know that this is our new trend. And as real as it is, I say it's our new trend because we didn't know what it was. Today, two months after this massive outbreak, we know a lot more about what it, what it is. Although we don't have all the answers by far, mm -hmm. but we do know that it's a difficult illness to overcome. And, um, and hopefully, you know, that will give us power and strength to continue on. And I'm just concerned that this whole thing doesn't end up becoming too political and polarizing because that is not what uh, any person really needs. And we're already in a very difficult, political, polarized place. And I do believe that we as hairdressers, the community, we can smooth that out because... 
we're the people that talk to the community every single day and we say things to them. People tell us things that they don't tell anybody else. So my hope is that we will come to a better place and with good intention, we will get there. Absolutely. And as soon as New York reopens, um, I can't wait to visit you at one of your salons and see all the new um, the new things and ideas that have come into motion and what this new industry will look like. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in New York City. So thanks very much for, for having me on. I appreciate you. And stay safe, okay? You too. Thanks, Nick. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye now.